In this episode, we're looking at part two of the books you should be reading if you're looking to get into the stock market and if you're looking to build a life that you want to live and uh, go after riches and wealth and fame and fortune. Okay, maybe not fame and fortune, but uh, there's a secret to this one too. It's actually not a stock trading book. Let's get into it. Welcome to the Brown Report Stock Market Report, where it's all about power charts, power trades, power profits. And now your host, stock market trader and coach, Jason Brown. Hey, what's up, power traders? Welcome back to part two of my favorite books and what book you should be reading if you are trying to accumulate wealth and uh, get started in the stock market or any other endeavor for that matter. So last week we talked about one of my favorite books, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, which was an awesome, I shouldn't say was, is an awesome book. If you haven't checked out that episode, make sure you go back and listen to that one. So in this episode, we're going to be talking about book number two, which is The War of Art by Stephen Pressville. This was surprisingly uh, my number two favorite book. And, you know, I wasn't really sure when someone suggested it to me. I I really wasn't sure what, you know, I was going to get out of it. And don't confuse this with The Art of War. This is The War of Art. And it's about breaking through the blocks and winning your inner creative battles. You know, when I when I first read this book, I'm just like, whoa, it really helped me put things in perspective, why I procrastinate, why I put things off and, and more importantly, what to do about them. So similar to the last episode, I, I highlighted a couple of key takeaways from certain pages that I want to go through with you and share with you how it relates to the stock market and why these type of books are very powerful to help you on your journey to creating wealth, especially if you're going to be trying to do it inside the stock market where you're going to be putting money at risk. You're going to have to overcome fear, greed, emotion, mental baggage, things you were taught uh, as a child, et cetera. So page 19, because I think page 19 really defines what the entire book is about. So page 19 starts off by saying resistance by definition, is self-sabotage. So that's what this entire book is about. It's about the resistance that you will inevitably face when you're trying to go after wealth, when you're trying to go after money, when you're trying to go after becoming your better self. The book goes on to give this example. When a writer begins to overcome resistance, which which means what, what's resistance for a writer? It's hard for a writer to sit down and actually start to write or type on the keyboard. So when a writer begins to overcome resistance, which means he or she actually starts to write, she may find that those close to her begin acting strange. They become moody or suddenly they may get sick They may accuse the writer of changing or not being the person that she was. And when I read that, I I can I so relate to that because I'm sure you can relate that. Think about when you first started getting started in the stock market or maybe you're still thinking about getting started. But think about something in your life where you tried to better yourself education wise, financially, 
physically, maybe it's going to the gym or something like that. All of a sudden, people around you get sick, the baby gets sick, the husband, the wife, the dog, everybody gets sick or... Maybe your friends and family around you start to say, you're changing. You're not the person you were. You're not that fun anymore. You know, you don't like to hang out late. You don't like to go drinking with us anymore. You don't like to um, get dessert all the time, maybe because you're trying to lose weight. Like they they, kind of want to point out that you're not who you used to be. And the truth is, you're not who you used to be because you're trying to go typically in in a different direction than you used to go. And if that person or those people aren't going in those directions with you, you're right. You are changing. You're not the person you was, but that resistance, it's like a rubber band. It can cause you to, uh, when a rubber band kind of stretches, it wants to pull back together and you almost have to do everything you can to break the rubber band and keep going in the direction that you're trying to go in. But that resistance of, well, I don't want to let my friends down. Well, they think I'm acting funny. Um, different things like that, or, I can't start this diet today or this. I can't study this today because the dog's sick, the husband's sick, the cat's sick, right? Just know that these levels of resistance will come to kind of stop you from doing what it is that you set out to do. Page 17 says resistance obstructs movement only. This is key. Only from a lower level to a higher level. So what that simply means is if you want to be broke, if you want to go shopping, spend all your money on a, on a credit card and uh, just be in debt, there's no resistance really there. It's like, oh, you deserve it. You work hard. You start, you know, resistance works opposite there. You start getting encouragement, even maybe even from your friends. You work hard. You deserve it. Go do it. You never buy anything from yourself. So the resistance doesn't work in reverse, right? That's going to put you normally in a worse situation. But when you start to say, no, I'm going to pay off my credit cards. I'm going to actually start to go on a financial diet, go on a budget so that we can pay off our house, pay down a credit card debt. The resistance kicks in then because you're trying to move from a lower level to a higher level. If you're trying to get a graduate degree, you're trying to get a promotion on the job. Resistance kicks in and tries to basically deter you from going on that mission. But if you want to go in reverse, you don't want to do anything, you want to be lazy, you just don't really care. It's like, oh, you deserve it. It's okay. You deserve to relax every once in a while. Spend that money, go in debt. It's okay. Everyone's in debt. Everyone's doing it, right? So it's it's very interesting. Uh, When you read a book like this, you start to realize like, wait a minute, are those forces at play in my life. And that's the same thing that's going to happen when you try to learn the stock market. You know, that resistance is going to kick in. Oh, you're tired. Oh, you deserve to relax after work. You worked all day. You worked all weekend, et cetera. It's going to do everything it can to keep you from opening up those modules and learning the stock market. It's going to keep you, it's going to throw everything at you to keep you from looking at the stock charts and doing what you need to do to remove, to move from your current level to a higher level. Page 12, resistance will unfailingly point towards true north. I love this. We can use this as a compass 
basically saying we use this as a compass to navigate what actions we must follow before all others. So the greater the resistance, think of it as the North Star. That is definitely the direction that you need to go. And because you need to go that direction, you're going to be met with the most resistance. So I love looking at uh, resistance, problems, issues, things that are tough as you know what? There's a reason that this is a little tough. There's a reason that there's a little hurdle on my way through this because that's where that's the thing that I need to do. I remember one time uh, when I was in network marketing, I, you know, I learned so much about mindset when I was in network marketing. And I remember, I think it was Patrick Mazur. I know it was Patrick Mazur. He was uh, in ACM. He might still be in ACM, but good, loved his mindset stuff. But I remember Patrick Mazur out of, uh, I think he's out of Philadelphia. I remember in the training I was listening to, I used to always listen to these trainings in my car or, you know, in my headphones. And Patrick Mazur said like, how bad do you want it? Like you want to be a millionaire? They're going to throw a negative relative at you, right? So a relative that says you can't do it. What are you doing? You're crazy. He's like, oh, you, 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 you're back up again. You really want to be rich? Okay, let me make your car break down, right? Oh, you're back up again. Let me throw a sickness or a death at you and your family. And then finally, if you can make it through all that, it's like resistance finally lays down and says, okay, you can have it all. Uh, you really do want it. And I remember when I heard him give that example, I thought that's so true. Sometimes we come up against a test to just see, like, do you really want what you said you want? Do you really want to learn the stock market? Do you really want to become wealthy? Do you really want to have your money working for you so you don't have to work for it? Or as Eric Thomas would say, the motivational speaker, is that just something you're saying with your mouth? Right. You just saying that with your mouth, but your actions don't don't follow it. So that resistance will unfailingly point to true north. That's the whole point of page 12. And what I got out of that is that that resistance will tell you exactly what you need to do and what you need to be going after. That one thing that you're like, uh, that costs money or uh, that's going to take a couple hours out of my day. That's typically the thing that you need to be doing. Page 21, procrastination is the most common form of resistance because it's the easiest to rationalize. You know, when I was reading this part, one of the cool things about it is it goes on to say that we don't say I'm never going to get started in the stock market, for example. We just say I'm going to start tomorrow. You see how that works? See, rationalization is the most common form of resistance because we start to reason with why we can't get started. I can't get started in a stock market because I don't have the money. I can't get started in the stock market because I don't have the time. Oh, I'm going to wait till the kids are in school full time. Oh, I'm going to I'm going to wait till I'm on vacation next summer. Okay, actually I'm going to wait till my tax returns come back. So, we start to rationalize with why we don't get started. And the thing that's deadly about that is they kind of make sense, right? On the surface, we can live with ourselves. We can we can wake up tomorrow and feel good that like, no, I really didn't get started because, you know, X, Y, Z, because it makes rational sense. But when you really think about it, 
there's never a good time to get started. There's always going to be something going on. I remember once I once I finally realized there's never a good time to get started. I remember my mentor once said, you waiting for a good time to get started. It's like waiting for all the street lights to be green before you start out on your trip. It's like they'll never be all green. You're going to run into some red lights. There's going to be some accidents. There's going to be some snow on the road. There's going to be a car broke down. You're going to get behind a bus or an 18-wheeler that's going slow. But you still have to start out on that trip, on that journey. And so we procrastinate and we rationalize with ourselves on why we didn't do something. And when I read that, I was like, wow, that is so powerful because I know I've done that before. Oh, I'm going to start next week, next year, whatever the case may be. Page 38 If you find yourself criticizing, the author says, if you find yourself criticizing other people, you're probably doing it out of resistance. Here's the thing. It goes on to say, when most people see others beginning to live their authentic selves, their authentic lives, it drives us crazy, especially if we have not lived out our own. And what this is saying is when you look at people I look at people on social media or YouTube or something like that. Everyone has an opinion, especially when you're trying to do something positive. If you're trying to, you know, for instance, I'll say if I'm trying to teach people about the stock market, oh, what do you know about the market or why are you teaching people? Or if you if you knew how it worked, you you really wouldn't be teaching everybody. You'd keep it all to yourself. People say the most craziest stuff, right? or they just criticize people. And the reality is, deep down inside, those people wish they could cut on the microphone and speak into it. Those people wish they had the confidence to get in front of a camera, flaws and all, and just go for it and put themselves out there on YouTube. Do you know how much, I don't know what the word I'm looking for, how much, I don't know if it's confidence, bravado, or guts, or nerves, it takes to put yourself out there for the whole world to judge your message, for the whole world to uh, basically be able to throw stones at you, right? It's so easy for those people to sit on the sidelines, but secretly, deep down inside, they're, they're, they wish they could go after the life that they really wanted. kind of like when you go to a a club or something like that you ever see like all the quote-unquote cool kids or cool guys standing on the sideline and then maybe you see like a kid that's not so popular or a grown-up whatever not so popular they're out there they're on the dance floor they don't even know what they're doing they're just letting the music move their body the reality is I've seen it. I've seen people on the sideline like, look at this guy. He's silly. He doesn't know how to dance. He's making a fool of himself in front of the women. But like deep down, I would hear some of the guys say, man, I would, he would come back to the sideline. They'd be like, man, he was out there cutting rug. He'd be like, and the guy that was just criticizing them would say, man, I wish I had the nerve to get out there like you. I wish I had the confidence to just go out there and not care what people thought about me. And I thought, isn't that something? You were just criticizing the person, but deep down, you wish you had the confidence to go out on the dance floor and just dance, whether you know how to or not, which knowing how to is really subjective, right? Because as long as you're moving your body, 
who's who is it to judge if you're a good dancer or not dancer or not. But the point is, most people will sit on the sideline and criticize your dance moves because they wish they had the confidence to get out there and not worry about what people think. And it's the same thing with the stock market. People will criticize you. Don't know what you're doing. I can't believe you bought a course, or I don't. You know, I can't believe you actually put that much money into the stock market. Whatever the case may be, um, can't believe you. You know, you're not eating cake anymore. Whatever it is, but the reality is, they wish they had the self control. They wish they could go after what they truly wanted and and take the path that you're taking. And secretly, they're really wishing you well. And and here's another funny thing before we move to the last and final point. Most of those people will end up saying, like, I always knew you can do it, <laughs> right? You ever had somebody, like, give you some grief while you were trying to go through something or become a better person? Then when you came out on the other end, they were like, well, I knew if anybody could do it, it'd be you. It's like, really? Because, like, when I started this, you was telling me I was crazy. You was telling me it won't work. You was telling me I couldn't do it. Yet, now that, it's all, now that I'm on the other side of this thing, you're my number one cheerleader. You always knew I can do it, right? So, very interesting. I'm sure some of you have been through that before. In fact, I'd love to, uh, you know, for you to leave a, a iTunes review or a comment and let me know if you relate to that. Page 40. Fear is good. Like self-doubt, fear is an indicator that tells us what we have to do. The author goes on to say, the more scared we are of the work, the more sure we can be that we have to do it. And when I look at that page 40 line that, that was written, I think about it like this. When we fear the stock market, we fear uh, being wrong. We fear losing money. But the more you fear, the more you can be sure that you have to do it. And think about it like this. Whether you fear it or not, do you have to plan for your retirement? Yes or no. Whether you fear it or not, do you have a 401k plan that you're putting money into? Is that 401k plan not tied to a stock market? It's like you either get to face it now or you get to face it later and wish you had paid more attention to it back when you were younger or back when you had the ability to do something about it and change the outcome of the future. So look at fear as this is an indicator of something that I must be sure that at some point I'm going to have to face this. And the longer you kind of push it down, the longer you kind of, oh, I'll deal with that later, right? You do not want to be 60, 70, 80 saying, okay, I need to start investing and thinking about my retirement. Like, mm, yeah, you in trouble at that point. But the, the moral of the story is you're going to have to deal with it at some point. Why not deal with it now? Why not deal with it head on? Nothing, you know, drives me more crazy than talking to someone. I say, yeah, you know, I teach people how to trade in the stock market. And they always go, I need to learn that. But, oh, man, one day, I don't know. I just, I won't worry about it right now. It's like, okay, do you know that every year you say you're not going to worry about it? You're going to look up. It's 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years later. You're going to have to deal with this someday. Face the fear now because you can be sure that it's nine times out of 10 going to be something that you have to deal with anyway at some point. 
page 48, our final point here, the athlete, the writer says the athlete knows the day will never come when he wakes up pain free. He has to play hurt. And I think that is a powerful one to end on. What is what is the author saying here? What is Stephen Pressfield saying? He's basically saying the, the athlete doesn't only play in the game when he feels the greatest, when his foot doesn't hurt or uh, they don't play tennis when their shoulder doesn't hurt. No, they play hurt. They play in pain. OK, they know that. It's just part of the game and there will never be a day when they're not hurt. There'll never be a day where they're just pain free. They know that this is the path that they have chosen and they just got a muscle through it. Does that make sense? And so when you think about learning anything new, especially the stock market, if you're waiting for the day that you'll be, I'm waiting for the day that I I fear not losing money. You will always fear losing money because the deals get bigger and bigger and bigger. When I was just trading five hundred dollars, I was like, "Ooh, I don't want to lose this five hundred. Guess what happened when I started trading ten thousand? I was like, oh, but I don't lose this ten thousand. And then inevitably, I told you in the last episode, I lost seventy five thousand. Now I made over one hundred thousand. I also lost uh, seventy five thousand roughly in one trade. And so the fear doesn't go away. What's important is that you learn how to manage the fear. What's important is you learn how to play hurt because you'll always have scars. You'll always have wounds and it it never fully goes away. You just have to learn how to play with it. So I love that the athlete knows the day will never come when he wakes up pain free. He has to play hurt. Okay. If you lost money before you tried this before, like that's the athlete playing hurt. Like that's just part of the game, but you got to get back into the game and you can't win the game if you're on the sidelines. All right. Cause this is not a team sport. You need to take responsibility for your finances, for your investment. This isn't a team sport. You got to look yourself in the eye and say, all right, I'm getting in the game. I'm getting ready to play this thing and I'm willing to play even though I've had some injuries before. So listen, pick up uh, I'll put a I'll put a link to this in the show notes, The War of Art. Again, not to be confused with The Art of War. This is The War of art break through the blocks and win your inner creative battles by Stephen Pressfield. I'll put an Amazon link or something in the uh, show notes if you want to pick this book up. And again, it'll be an affiliate link. So you will be supporting the show. And this is part two of books that I recommend reading if you're looking to get into the stock market. Now, they're not about the stock market, but I promise you it's about the things you're going to have to overcome as a person, as a human, in order to be successful, not just in the stock market, but in life. And if you want to learn how the stock market works, you can check out my new uh, webinar that I just put together called Stock Market Secrets. You can check that out at freestocktradingvideo.com. And if you want to learn how options trading works and how to control stocks versus purchase them and how to exponentially grow your trading account, especially if you have a smaller trading account, you can check out my brand new webinar, Power Trading with Options, and you can check that out at freeoptiontradingvideo.com. That's free, the word F-R-E-E, option, O-P-T-I-O-N, tradingvideo.com. 
Com. So check out those two links, learn about the stock market, get more educated about the roadblocks that you're going to go through, the mental roadblocks by picking up uh, the war of art. And then in the last one, we talked about think and grow rich. And if you're not into reading, check out the audio version, check out the audio version. You can listen to it while you're on your way to work. I guarantee you it's going to be some of the best stuff that you put in your ears, turn the music off and put some of this stuff in your ears or start to read some of the stuff. I guarantee you'll come out a different person, one better than you were before you picked up these books. I'm Jason Brown, and I'll see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Brown Report Stock Market Report. We hope this episode has been educational and inspirational. For more power stock trading tips, tutorials, and training, visit www.thebrownreport.com.